again to horror cult your channel to the other side your link to the great beyond and your listening station for the opinions on horror film from a couple of guys who just watched too many people getting impaled by arrows that's <laughs> right i'm one of your two hosts for this edition victor moreno along with kirby nelson we need to talk about kevin no <laughs> So in this edition of Horror Cult, well, first off, today we were checking the Instagram, the Instagram at cultfollowing.co, home of the Cult Following Podcast Network, which is now available on Spotify. Yay! That's right, and we're up to 666 followers. So metal. So metal. Blacker than the blacks, black times infinity. That's right. There's my explosion. So, um, you know, thinking of the mark of the beast, we're going to talk a little bit about some of our favorite demonic possession movies. You know, you know the best parasites, the ones that are religious based. <laughs> we need those signs in front of the homestead. Go away with your tracks. <laughs> you know, we live in Arizona, folks. There's a lot of people here who think they're elders even though they're 14. That's true. Yeah. I'm not going to make any more money. Anyway. Well, you could climb the watchtower here and uh, do that as well. There we go. So, uh, before we get into the meat of the episode, like I said, we are now available on Spotify as well as Apple Podcasts, um, which is Apple Podcasts, also known as iTunes, and SoundCloud. Anywhere great podcasts are bought and sold. And YouTube. And YouTube. YouTube, where... Uh, you know, we don't film our podcasts like we do, like you and Speed Review does, but we do make a good job of making it look like the VCR is broken. That's very true. <laughs> many, many scan lines. Yes. Um, but who knows? Down the line, if we have some guests, maybe we'll start filming. I think we're cool right now. Um, but for the most part, um, yeah, support us at callfalling.co. we got a lot of great reviews. But, you know, we really want to get to 1,000, 1,000 subscribers on our Instagram. We just hit a thousand on our YouTube channel, you know, so now we can do posts on there, um, community posts, lots of cool stuff, you know, and, uh, you know, once we're going to start running some contests, maybe, because we get a lot of great swag here at cultfalling.co sometimes. That we do. Yes. So we want to pass the savings on to you, you know, get fun steel books, we get screeners, sometimes we get random toys. Um, if you check out the YouTube, actually, I just got a Legion lunch pail yesterday. I did see that. Yeah. Going to be the coolest kid coming back to school. Right. You be you can be the modern day Herman Monster. That oh, you can. That's right. So uh, keep your eye out on coldfalling.co and at coldfalling.co on Instagram because we want you to help us cross that finish line with a bloody axe. It's going to be that or Victor's bathwater, whichever comes first. Right. Whichever one, whoever votes the higher bid there. So, I'm, I'm, did you miss that recently? That uh, one of the Instagram gamer girls. Oh, uh, I, I yes, did see that. She yes. uh, decided to start selling her bathwater. Um, so, 
yeah, that's a whole future discussion about yes, that, it is. that kind of culture on Instagram. But hey, I think we covered that a little bit in our old man rantage, uh, right? Uh, last episode, but yeah, yeah. So uh, before we get into all of that, um, I should also tell you next week, uh, you know, we'll be uh, some of the cult crew is going to be heading down to San Diego comic-con i'll be down there ruby will be down there waylon will be down there and uh you know we'll be meeting up trying to find cool stuff a lot of it is going to go up on the website on the youtube on the instagram i love how i'm saying it like i'm uh old man bill cosby we got lots of horror podcasts coming up on the youtube anyway old man anyway i thought you were just trying to be an influencer and make sure you mention it every like three minutes that Oh, hey, did you know we have an Instagram right. and a YouTube? Dude. Possibly a TikTok soon. We'll oh, see what God. happens. No, we don't do enough lip sync videos. That's true. We that's do not. That's right. But um, I will say uh, there's a lot of cool horror panels going on at uh, San Diego Comic-Con this year. Um, going to try to get into as many as we can. A lot of it is up to chance, folks. Um, we tried to get into Scary Diego. Right now we are waitlisted, but hopefully we'll get to see some it too footage somehow some way over the rainbow i don't know um we try to get into the uh scary movies to tell in the dark year mobile toro master class which apparently is like an intimate panel of like 100 people or something so intimate we'll see what happens you know but uh and then there's gonna be the shutter creep show panel which i'm really excited about yeah that one's gonna be awesome i can't wait to see uh, some more footage and Here's some more background on that one because everything they, I mean, they've kept it pretty under wraps, surprisingly. Yeah. They haven't, they haven't revealed too much yet. Yeah, they're going to have a, I think Greg Nicotero is going to be down there. A lot of the people behind uh, the show, even Adrian Barbeau is going to be there. So that's going to be kind of cool. And I hope he'll, speaking <laughs> of that, hopefully he'll last longer than Swamp Thing and uh, some of the other lost shows here already that, uh, I mean, I, I mean, I don't think anything could have been more hyped than uh, Twilight Zone, and that one just seems to have completely cooled off. Well, apparently there's going to be a whole Twilight Zone experience. Oh, okay. An activation. It's ticketed, yeah. I don't think, yeah, we're not going to get into that. It's at Petco Park. That's just, you know, I try to plan these things ahead of time, and I'm just like, you look at the map and you go, that's too far. You know, yeah, it's I, pretty much impossible to get around. Yeah, you know, I mean, Saturday's going to be is the day when all your Uber rides are like fifty dollars. It's like, fuck, you know, sorry, man. We we are old pros sometimes at these things, but like, yeah, San Diego is pretty much if you're in the gas lamp, you're trying to get somewhere on Saturday, you're pretty much fucked. I'm just telling you, right now. pretty much. Yeah. Um, I will also tell you that uh, we're really excited to check out uh, the Bold Voices and Contemporary Horror panel, which was mm-hmm. a like a people slept on that panel, dude. It was so good last year. Um, they had like new footage from Mandy. Um, that's where I first heard of like uh, soft footage from Summer of '84, uh, Tales from the Hood too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was a really good panel. Um, this year they've got. They're, they're promising a lot, so hopefully we will find out some more. I'm hoping we see some stuff on maybe, like, Satanic Panic or some of the, like, the anticipated horror that we've got coming off down the pipeline. We'll see. Knock on wood. Um, but, yeah, it, it's going to be a fun time. Hopefully we'll pick up some fun horror swag. I know TBS is going to be giving out um, cockroach bars for Snowpiercer. 
That's, that's really, rad. Yeah, I, I got to get some of those. I'm just like, that's really fucking clever. Props to them for doing that. Definitely. Yeah. Well, hopefully they'll be, like I said, we'll do maybe a, you know, fall preview um, discussion. I actually just picked up a Mondo just bought today with a Birth Movies Death, their horror fall preview oh, issue. Yeah, I saw that. So I'm really excited to check that. I think that's probably the most, one of the most underrated items on that Mondo offers. All those issues are incredible for like 10, 12, well, it was 12 bucks. I mean, it's endless. Usually you get a free poster to in it or, you know, it's kind of like an art print. But for the most part, it's the articles really. <laughs> I read it for the articles. Uh, but it, it really is excellent. Like, I, I, I truly think that's one of the best values and stuff and like mementos, especially if you have a particular love for like a film or a franchise. I mean, they pretty much go all out. It's, it's like the, the things I wish back in the day when it was just like, Starlog and Fangorio right. and those uh Cinefantastique. Cinefantastique and like, you know, but they just didn't have you know, they had these dedicated issues and they were great and there's a lot of great articles, but it's just kinda like that instead of it's like that supermarket drivel like, you know, just cut and paste listicle articles. I mean even back in the eighties it was that, you know, it's actually an in depth review, like uh new interviews, new uh features and uh you know thoughts and so i just enjoy those lots of like not never before seen pictures or uh you know personal on set and stuff like that so always look forward to those um but yeah those are that i mean the only thing i want for you is anyone's going to comic-con and wants to uh really really make my 40th birthday uh happen if you could please pick me up kang and kodos uh Funko. Yeah, that's my. Did, uh, we didn't get picked for the Funko lottery. Yeah, that's the only one I care about. And of course, Funko is always yeah their lotteries and all their stuff. It's like I could care less about ninety nine percent of their proc, and then they have one awesome item every year. Not just the SDCC, but like in general, and it's always the item that you know always sells out, or there's always an issue with it. So because it's limited to whatever. I mean, yeah. They used to be like 500 or 480, and now they're like getting more into like, okay, we're going to go back to the 240 and the 75. And it's like, I just had that too. Somebody, uh, I tried and a couple friends tried uh, in vain to get me the uh, A24 Midsummer Bear. Oh, yeah. And uh, I actually had it in my cart, and the site completely, of course, crashed. I mean, there was just nothing I could do. And there are stories now circulating that it actually wasn't real, that, uh, uh, there's arguments I think that was only had 32 for sale. It was it was they said it was 75, uh, and then it, somebody said it was 32, and then yeah. so who knows? You know, it's like it's there's the real world and the mondo world of of things, so you never really know a hundred percent. I mean, I can't imagine with that kind of craftsmanship and hand uh, handmade nature that it was particularly plentiful. I gotta be honest, seriously, I, I feel like that is an easy uh, that was an easy one to kind of replicate i mean the only kind of unique thing about it was the midsummer oh i didn't mean it like that i mean in terms of like i'm sure someone could do it it's like uh what was he a while back they did uh and i really think he's super talented uh or the the individuals who run serial resin co um they make some really great custom figures i i think they're excellent but um you know like one of the ones they did was uh uh, Cujo, and it's like we can get a Saint Bernard ceramic figure, yeah, and just add some blood, and it's done. Like, I mean, yeah. there's a couple of figures sometimes I see, and I'm like, man, I wish I had thought of that to package it up earlier. 
Um, but that one, I mean, but then they'll put out a figure that's like they did one for uh, Reverend Lowe from Silver Bullet. It's one of my favorite custom figures I've ever owned. Um, yeah, it's it's beautiful. Uh, they also <laughs> did a great Doctor Decker from Nightbreed and stuff like that. So there's, you know, but I mean, like that wasn't something like, oh my god, my world's crushed. Uh, with oh, I didn't get the Midsummer Bear. <laughs> it's just a bear. Yeah. Um, but it was uh, it was cool though. Still, and I mean, I, the hereditary uh, uh, Charlie's figures that they gave away the screens. I mean, it's still one of the ones. But I mean. You know, years ago, or last year when they were on eBay for like 60, 80 bucks, I still couldn't justify it because it's no. just, it's a promo item. Like, it's swag. I mean, I think you can sell it for a reasonable amount. And I would have happily paid like $40 just to have it. Yeah. But I mean, I'm not going to, because they were so limited, but I'm not going to pay you $100, $200. I mean, I'm just slowly moving away from all that in general. Yeah. So if I can get it, easy. But I won't pay double, triple prices for any of this stuff anymore. Well, hopefully, as we continue to grow, we'll you know start getting some more of those kind of like uh, promo items. And yeah, such. yeah. Well, yeah. Who knows? All it is is just like getting in good with any, you know, the, the powers. That be. The powers that be. Uh, I know uh, it's the summer, and you just had a trip to Camp Arawak. Yeah, we. Uh, yeah, uh, what was it like? Just a few days ago, we did, yeah, uh, Tuesday, right? Yeah, Care we Tuesday. did a uh, sold-out screening of a sleepaway camp over at the Alamo Draft House in Tempe, um, which was a lot of fun. Um, originally, we were gonna have Karen Fields there, um, plays Judy, who's really like the villain of the movie. I've heard. So good, she's so good. Um, but she sent like a nice care package with like a ton of autograph pictures, so we like gave them all out, like. Uh, you know, she was cool enough that each picture had a different, like, uh, you know, inscription, you know, like, chicken shit, you know. Yeah. Flat as a board means a screw. You know, it made it fun interacting with the crowd. And then we got a bunch of, like, uh, fuck off stickers, she said. So it's, <laughs> it's nice to see uh, when people embrace that, you know. And she lives in Flagstaff, which isn't, like, super far from here either. So maybe in the future. That's right. Yeah. Yeah, she's definitely one of my favorite uh villains of the 80s by far so that's awesome yeah it was interesting because like i think that's one of those movies a lot of people see you know like you know like oh just on dvd or something seeing it in a with a crowd is a really fun experience especially a crowd that was as packed as that you know because everyone was just like laughing you know it it is an entirely if you if you've seen sleepaway camp i mean it's or if you haven't, rather, it's one of those movies that just like kind of boggles the mind how something like that gets made. They did a, um, I a mean, like documentary. There's, yeah, there's yeah. some. There's a documentary. There's there's documentaries and stuff. I mean, there's also the Dan Dufflin who runs the uh, uh, SleepawayCampMovies.com site. I mean, he's I mean he's been around since like the Anchor Bay Red Cross set. Yeah. I mean, he's like, it's kind of like I think that's the one I'm thinking of. Or is that the guy who runs? Uh, the it's me billy there's two of them the other the one who runs the black christmas site is the other guy who's like <coughs> the super fan yeah um but they're both i mean i think sleepaway camp like i said the more time uh, the, the more i've watched it over the years and stuff like obviously and i keep it i'm always good i never spoil the ending of course it has yeah, one I of the most famous out of my way not to spoil it but it's one, a lot of people who haven't seen, seen it, it. And it, what really, and people think that that's the craziest, like, twist of all time. And it's like, 
I don't even think that it's it's the what what I really think of the movie in the end is is that some of the fan theories and some of the ideas that are unresolved in the script, yeah, um, like are are much better and darker than anything that happens. But I mean, it's a mean movie. Like yeah. it's funny. It's so funny because the kids are so brutal. Yeah. And, th- and this is and that's another thing. Of course, this movie was actual kids. They were all between like twelve and sixteen. Yeah. So they were not like you know twenty eight, the CW or WB or whatever. With the you know, I'm thirty two. Um, you know, even though it looks like that, I always they, say, but they're not. They're, they're not. But it's always that thing when you're watching teens in the in the eighties or seventies. I'm like, man, they just had so much harder lives than we did. Yes, they did. The ones, well, especially some of those people you see now, and it's like, woof, yeah, you really paid for it down yeah. the line. Because, and again, I always have to preface <laughs> that by saying I'm not trying to be mean. I'm saying that it is, uh, some of these people had other issues in their lives, but it really is, like, unbelievable to see some people the way they look now. Sorry, had a little bit of headphone malfunction there. Oh, it happens. Just try flipping it around. Yeah, I got it now. Yeah. It's good. Um, but yeah, no, I just, I think Sleepaway Camp though is seriously a black comedy as well. It's just so funny. That's, I, I feel like that's the way I kind of take it. I mean, like, uh, when I was doing my intro, I, I said like, I don't think it has the craziest twist of all time. I think happy birthday to me probably fares better there in my mind. Um, I think the reason Sleepaway Camp has like that sort of power is primarily because you think you're there's one twist and then it turns out to be something completely different and then mm-hmm. yeah you know and then um just hearing people's theories when they come out i mean i it, it was surprising to me like i had like three different people like oh well clearly the ant was a man you know Hmm. Yeah, it's like, oh yeah, and like she had an Adam's apple and she had man hands, so it was like a, it was probably like this like weird incestuous thing about gender, and I'm like, I have never heard that before. That is really interesting just to see like different people's perspective on things because like I never even pay attention to the ants' hands or anything like that. Yeah, it's kind of a, um, yeah, definitely a gender studies course in the. 2019 for a 1983 movie but i mean the movie was way ahead of its time obviously in every single way oh man i mean that movie also has a really casual attitude toward child molestation that i yes it does yeah yeah james earl jones father he just didn't stop it right that's that's my favorite part and then like mel who clearly has a thing for like uh, meg who's like what 15 or something probably yeah yeah i got a date with like a 80 year old man it yeah it folks if you want to watch sleepaway camp um you can get it on the shout factory channel on um on roku or most smart tvs and watch it for free um I also think it's really funny whenever you watch Sleepaway Camp, the way it's edited, it looks like a TV movie. <laughs> That's true. <coughs> and I'm sorry, I made sure to look it up, because I want to credit people, because this guy's done a lot of work. It's Jeff Hayes, is the guy who runs Sleepaway movie, um, Camp Movies, and then Dan, uh, the guy who runs It's Me, Billy, the Black Christmas tribute site. But I mean, if you ever want to talk about like true uber fans of, of uh, slasher films, or any film genre, I mean, I really don't think there's... Uh, I mean. Uh, so directly involved with uh, the films and the franchise and the fandom. I mean, it's just insane. But yeah, I think Sleepaway Camp, it's one of those movies where 
Um, you know, it did things that were unconventional. It had no, uh, it had an orchestral score. It had, a, like I said, a very comedic tone and then a very, obviously very dark tone. And it's just balls out. Like the, the deaths are crazy. The, uh, um, I don't even know how to describe it to somebody, but it is one of those, that's the one thing I will say is, is a movie to be watched with other people, especially if they've never seen it before. It's the most fun. It's, I put it akin a lot to like the big monoliths, like Friday the 13th, which is a really fun film to see, especially with people who've never seen it before. But like, I think because Friday the 13th and a lot of those films are so oversaturated, I would yeah. much rather watch Sleepaway Camp. I know you're showing The Burning as well soon. Um, the Burning is another one that I just have so much fun with. Um, you know, but there's just, I don't know. Slashers are always it's just something I have a huge soft spot for, obviously, especially from the eighties. But the um yeah, it's just one that's it's Sleepaway Camp is pretty much a flawless film. It is a what the fuck movie in every yeah. respect, but it's flawless in the sense of what they did for so little. Like Yeah. I mean, I've i I've seen movies that have a bigger budget than this made now that look ten thousand times cheaper than this movie. Oh yeah. Well now movies I can't even believe are like I'm like, how can whatever uh what was the one? Um Unsane where it's allegedly oh, shot on an iPhone. Yeah. yeah, but I'm going even that it's like no matter which way you look at it, I'm like but you look at films shot in sixteen millimeter, blown up to thirty five, and they look incre- they look so much better than movies now. I just I, I don't know. There's I mean I'll obviously a lot of contributing factors and stuff, but I think no matter what you're going to make or how you're going to make it, um, it's just, it's, it's, it really is. I mean, you have to know what you're doing. And uh, Hiltzman, the guy who made uh, uh, Sleepaway Camp, the director, you know, he just really knew what Robert, or Robert Blitz or something. Isn't that what Hiltzman? I thought that's what yeah. it was. I can... Man, I'm really just bad names on this one today. Yeah, but um yeah, well it's too many to remember. I'm I, that's there there's my old man rant. Too many to remember now. Honestly, folks, I think you'd much rather us having a conversation than being one of those uh, let's look everything up on Wikipedia or Hilt sick. Yeah, I was yeah, close. You were very close. But yeah, he's yeah, we're never gonna be that. Yeah. But I always like to be at least somewhat accurate and I like to give uh credit. To those, like I said, to those individuals and entities that uh, really made something. And yeah, I mean, Sleepaway Camp, it's just one of those films. I mean, in, and I really do enjoy the sequels, especially the second one as well. But I, I uh, really. It was, it was so funny, though, because like I was talking about in our in my intro, it's like, oh, you know, the, the iconic cover of Sleepaway Camp, too. And it's like, great cover. But God, I don't like that movie. Literally, everyone started cheering. Yeah. yeah. See, I like it. I've always enjoyed it. I, I really do like the three, not as much, but the second one, I really, it went full black comedy, and I... Yeah, I think maybe that's why. Yeah. yeah. And it's just, it's fun. The trailer but, for it is awesome. Yeah, it's a great trailer. It's yeah. a great cover. It's it's a great, to me, it's a great movie, but again, it's one of those films where um you know, I always enjoy it. I, I, I just think Sleepaway Camp is great. I... They did return to Sleepaway Camp, and I just feel it's one of those things where the, he, you know, he came back, um, Hiltzik, and they yeah. just couldn't, you just can't replicate it. It's just, no. w- with a lot of these franchises, obviously, they try to do that. Well, it's it's almost like a room scenario. Like, mm-hmm. you know, when you're earnestly trying to make a movie, it kind of shows. 
And then when you're leaning into the what reaction people give it to give to that product, then it's kind of fake, you know. I think yeah. that's probably why the overt comedy in part two is sort of obnoxious to me. Yeah, I got you. But I mean, the, the thing with part two is they were trying to do their own thing. Yeah, and obviously the director has vision, and I just think at the time, I mean, it's just a good time capsule of what that kind of. I think that people. You know, I, I obviously Sleepaway Camp is. I much prefer Sleepaway Camp to Sleepaway Camp Two or Three, um, but I think that it's 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 its own thing. It's just it's one of those films that it's you know the franchise name or whatever <coughs> is always going to you know it's 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 what helps it and it's what hinders it because yeah. some people why is this movie like uh, whatever and it's you know we just talked about Return of the Living Dead you know. And some people really hate Return of the Living Dead 2. And I think Return of the Living Dead 2 is kind of almost like a sleepaway camp 2. It's just more of a straight comedy, dark comedy. And then part 3 is in, like, Return of the Living Dead 3 is, like, a su- incredibly dark movie. Yeah. I mean, it's it's so bleak. Um, and I, I personally love that one, too. I, I, I think it's, um, I don't try to get too, I mean, obviously I can compare movies. I'm sure we're going to, as we dip into our possession uh, discussion, we're going to get into a lot of the uh, the franchises and, and trilogies and quadrilogies and mm-hmm. whatever level some of these films have gotten up to. Um, but I think it's, uh, you know, I think also it's important to take it on, on its own and not just with its name brand recognition. So it's here nor there. And the <laughs> end, it's all just opinion, of course. I mean, as is the nature, of, especially of the podcast business and the horror horror right. uh, community but i i really um yeah i don't know it's just one of those ones i mean there's it's very funny that how big of uh slasher cycle boom always ends up happening that not just in like uh the post scream era and stuff but i mean all the time like people get back into slashers that people always enjoy them it's such a party movie it's um you know there there's such a uh, academic and almost literary level on him, but it's like uh, I I think it just kind of comes and goes. But then you, you somebody will be like, "Oh, I've never seen The Prowler," and I'm like, "You've never seen The Prowler?" Like, I mean, I consider that like a you know top ten, top right. fifteen one to watch, and but people never have. Um, well, I mean, I think that goes along the line of uh, you know a lot of people who are just like getting into horror, just kind of. Uh, yeah, I didn't mean as like any no, no, kind no. of elitist or no, any of no, that no. kind of statement, I, but it's just one of those ones where I think it comes to availability too. You know? Sure, but that one's really a widely available too. I mean, it's one you can easily find still. It's it never went up like the uh, Blue Underground release or whatever. Um, you know, where it was Rosemary's Killer overseas and stuff. It's it's even more. Um, well, I mean, I guess popular. I, I said in a way like uh, you know, like when Screen Factory releases something. And there's like you know some kind of a premium package around it. Suddenly, it seems there's a much bigger fandom for that film. I agree. You know, it's like uh, you know, in the last month, I've heard more people talk about Night of the Creeps than I've had in the last three. Years. Oh yeah. You know, I think, and that's what it comes down to. Not so much elitism. It's like what's like the buzz. You know? Yeah, but that's also. I mean, like, I mean, I think most people like mo. Uh, you know. I have a huge Fred Decker fandom. I think House and Night of the Creeps are, you know, some of my favorite movies. It's, but it's also one of those, it's something I grew up with or some, like I didn't see Night of the Creeps actually until I was older. 
but House I I loved since I was a kid, and it's yeah. it's one of those films I always love. But I um, you know I, I you're right. I mean I can't deny the whole. But I think that also has to do with the weird hipster kind of stuff with like, I have an Atkins action figure. And it's like Tom Atkins does rule. And yeah. it's awesome that he has an action figure. I'm extremely happy about it. But I think it's just the the weird, like, <coughs> the, um, some things are, like, there's great actors and great people. Like, right now there's this weird, you know, the whole Keanu Reeves thing is like yeah. the biggest thing in the world. It's like the way it was Nick Cage last year with Mandy and all that. I love, I think Nicolas Cage is great. I think Keanu Reeves is great. I always enjoyed their work. I don't think everything was great or perfect, but I think it's also just like a cult of personality and a, yeah. like you said, like an it moment. It just becomes, it's a meme thing. I think end. a lot of it is just like the combination of factors too. Like, um, for example, you know, Screen Factory partnering with NECA to do the Tom Atkins figure, right? Just like they did with the Night of the Demons one. Both of those are like really hard to find now. Yeah, and Silent Night, Deadly Night. Yeah, and like at at the San Diego Comic Con this year, Screen Factory has an exclusive where if you like pre-order the Howling, they have a Howling statue that they did with like sideshow collectibles. No, 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 pop culture. Yeah, pop culture shock. Yeah, who used to be? It's the guys who used to be on Soda Toys. Yeah, and that has not gotten anywhere near as much buzz as when NECA does it. Because NECA is a much bigger thing yeah. than PCS is. And I'm like, that's not a diss on PCS. I, I want to support PCS every once in a while. They're like, we're going to do like thing action figures. I saw those prototypes for them for like five years in a row in Monster Palooza and they never came out. Yeah. You know, and I think every, the first thing everybody said when the Howling figures showed up, it's like, it's the wrong color. You know, I mean, it, yeah. it is. It's a, it's a statue. They're trying to do it at a mass market level. It's not going to get the kind of paint well. They job. did. They did a super high end, you know, uh, statue of it, like thousand eight hundred thousand dollar one. That's a perfect um, replica. Yeah. But I mean, I like that they're doing them in PVC. Um, I like that they're getting down to a lower price point and stuff. I mean, that's something I feel strongly about. It's like not just because I I'm really not a big fan of statues because of their fragility and. Um, the high price point for something. I mean, like I said, I appreciate the detail. There's like, it's like a plus minus thing. Yeah. But my big thing with um, that, yeah, it's not a great one. I also think the howling, you know, it's another movie that shout factories re-released. Yeah. And they, it's another one where they just, it, it, it's a cool statue. You can buy the statue on its own. You want the bloody variant. You got to get through SDCC and, um, you know, here nor there, but you're right, 100%. That par- partnering with NECA, you know, a really respected manufacturer that's going to deliver, and they all have been high quality products. Like yeah. they, they look amazing, um, and they are amazing. And it's one of those things where people, you know, it's like you don't miss the boat. It's like um, even uh, I didn't own the Green Inferno at all, so I bought the Blu-ray on it because I got the Eli Roth sign slip cover yeah and then i get the poster so it's like for 25 30 bucks it's like it justifies everything i don't own it i get signed you know by one of the, you know pretty big director and stuff and you know they um they finally got it right i actually just got a bunch of orders i got the entity uh night of the creeps and a few other ones from shout factory and they finally did it right they rolled their posters with a uh um you know a ewing Thing. No, uh, the triangle box. No, sorry, the, the thing is a pay to me. I almost, I almost said 
I almost said napkin holder, you know, that that tight paper ring around it yeah. to keep keep it in place because it, I've had uh, somewhere around 40 damaged um, posters and I didn't even know they were damaged until because I don't open my stuff. I mean, I don't have room to display these posters and Shout Factory and I had it out for like months and then they finally sent me replacements for everything. Um, but there, you know, it's, it's a situation where I was like, oh, it's too bad you couldn't have done this back with the other ones. Um, it, cause they were, they had employees who didn't know how to do a traditional hand rolling and a yeah. finger rolling on the, the prints. And <coughs> so they were all getting damaged. Um, they're all damaged. They all had, um, either, I mean, somehow or I had tears and crinkles and it's like, you guys just don't know how to do this. And they finally got right. They also put pictures on the tubes now of what the print looks like so that you can remember exactly which one it is because before i was having to write it on each of them oh that's yeah obnoxious. it's very obnoxious and annoying so they i would say and i didn't even suggest any of that stuff when i was yelling at them they finally just got it right i'm sure other people <laughs> well, did did the work for I me i think part of it is like you know when you're trying to get into that like you know the mondo kind of market you got to step your shit up you and, do yeah I think I think you do, but I also think, um, you know, I also didn't mind when the posters were folded. To be totally honest, I really, I, I like them rolled. Of course, I prefer to have an unmarred. The only time I want the folded is because of the traditional way in which they were shipped, and I mean, it shows the authenticity and stuff like that. And it, I personally like the look, but overall, it's just one of those situations where, uh, yeah, I don't know. They finally got right, but it's true. Um, the tchotchke uh as we kind of go back to that thing with hereditary and all these other things in midsummer it's like your tchotchke oriented items and stuff i mean some are really cool and some are just it's just flipper garbage yeah and that's always the way it's gonna be i think that's part of the reason i'm a little like disappointed about san diego this year because there's not really all that much stuff that i want to get you know um there's like oh that looks cool not like last year when they had like you know, I need to get this turtle box set type thing. Mm -hmm. You know, this year there's like one with Shredder, and I'm like, eh. Yeah. Well, those are nice. I mean, like, the turtle set was nice, too, but there was also, I mean, it's one of those things where, yeah, there's a huge fan base for this. I mean, the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle fan base is huge, but I also think it's one of those things, too, <coughs> that, that, I mean, most of this stuff is driven, when people say, like, why don't you like speculators and flippers and stuff, as I go, because I'm a fan. And yeah. I like this stuff. And even if I'm not a fan, I want fans to have it at a fair price. Now, I don't I don't expect every item. Things are going to be limited. Things are going to sell out. And you might have to pay a premium for them. And some people are willing to do that. But I also think there's absolutely no reason that you should be paying three, four, five, ten times as much for an item um, just because of people who are who are just shitty. Yeah. It, it, it's not, I mean, you know, whatever. I mean, people want to look at it some way. I'm like, I'm just going to call you out for your shit. It's, uh, I, it's just genuinely like pretty much a dumpster human being because people go, Oh, you know, I mean, there's something different with sitting on something for years or whatever. Yeah. Like that's just the market changing. If you have whatever, 10 of those Atkins action figures and that's, you know, whatever. And you sit on them and, in five years, they're worth 500 bucks. They're worth 500 bucks. That's just the yeah. market. I'm not at all upset with the market. I'm upset with people trying to make the market. That yeah. bothers me. So, um, it is what it is, as always. <laughs> but, yeah. um, 
I don't know. But I mean, SCCC, I mean, it looks like a, I mean, it's always a fun show and stuff. I mean, I'm just glad they're paying, they're, instead of trying to do all the tent poles now, as, you know, cause like they're, they're focusing on smaller parties, but more importantly, just like Phoenix Comic Con and a lot of events is that I just feel, you know, horror is the pulp, pulp, uh, pop culture whipping boy. It's always usually the lowest rung on the ladder, unless it's because there's a popular, um, property there there's a walking dead or there's uh whatever it is yeah and even though most of those don't even make it i yeah. i really can't think of anything i look at all those shows that could have considered to be have a horror or gothic aesthetic of the last few years the exorcist uh sleepy hollow penny dreadful uh you know whatever and they all pretty much went away i mean it was like a flash in the pan <coughs> um that's interesting i mean yeah like it's hard, I think, to sustain like what you get in a horror movie and a television show, because at some point it's just going to become either a melodrama or like an action series. True. I mean, that's like a good, I guess, segue to get into like the main topic. Sure. You know, unless there's anything else you. No, I absolutely mean, honestly, have to discuss. like I said, the main the main stuff I'm looking forward to at at San Diego aren't even like stuff like i want to go to um super seven bodega which isn't even uh near the convention center well it's like 15 minutes away just so i can get the uh garbage pail kids universal monsters uh cards they're an exclusive you can't even get those at the show so it's like sometimes the cool stuff isn't even at the show is that one per person or can i, I don't get... know what okay the deal is there's yet. a pack you paid yeah. found me yeah garbage pail kids just quiz, uh, Victor's an artist and stuff, but also, in case anyone didn't know that's listening, uh, Victor contributes sketch cards to, well, he's, he has for the last few series. Yeah. But, um, and will be for, uh, the be- of course, the best set, the horror set, the Oh, the Horribles coming out here in the fall, of course. Yeah, in September. Yep. Um, so, right, ready for Halloween, but, uh, I am blown away when I went to FYE a couple, uh, uh, weeks ago and saw the whole, uh, display they have with the cereal yeah. and all the items joe simcoe did a great job as always on the art and it just it looks amazing and everybody else who contributed i mean all the the usual greats brent angstrom and i'm sure david gross and neil cameron a lot of the other folks there um jeff Zapata, of course the other biggie but they um <coughs> yeah i mean they they've been doing a lot of great stuff they just got uh i've, I've heard that's going to be one of those next uh mondo misfit things is going to be a gpk apparently oh what um those uh i'm sorry i can't remember the name off the top of head you know this did the ones for like jason and the gremlin oh, uh, mondoids mondoids oh yeah. i said misfits mondoids yeah that i yeah, heard the, that gpk is all ripoffs yeah yeah that gpk is going to be one of the next ones yeah so excited and, for that and hope see and that's the thing like i'll just go to take pictures of their booth because everything that's coming out next year mondo's gonna hurt Mondo and Necker are going to have at their booths. Yeah. So. so lots to look forward to. Yep, yep. But right. now it's time to be possessed. Yeah, so, um, you know, sometimes we get screeners and stuff. And uh, one of the big movies at uh, Fantastic Fest last year was this movie called Lose. Um, it was directed by a first-time uh, director, Tillman Singer. And I got a uh, screener link to see it. Um, so I'll have a review of that on uh, Cult Following next week um but it's just really interesting because like i'm watching it and it's like oh it's kind of it's like a really interesting movie it's kind of like uh 
cross between like both versions of Suspiria and Exorcist Two: The Heretic with a dose of the Beyond. All interesting. Uh, yeah, it's interesting, interesting blend. Soup. Yeah. So, but it kind of works. I mean, it's a little slow paced, but yeah, I dug, I dug it. You know, it just takes a minute to get into it. You know, um, phonetic Spanish has always been so stupid to me. That's my one, you know, knock on it. You know, but uh, hey, it works. Um, but it got me thinking. You know, like possession movies are always like just a really. In- There's always a really interesting slant to them because it can be used in so many different ways to kind of like talk about culture talk about religion um just even like society in general because it doesn't just have to be like religious possession it can be something like the hidden where it's like commenting on uh you know kind of that culture of excess in the 80s sure sex drugs and rock and roll kind of thing or even you can just be like straight up like horror comedy, something like uh, Slither, you know? Yeah, it can be something too. Like I always look at things like a chosen possession, like a um, <coughs> pumpkin head. Yeah. As a and I've, obviously I like the idea of uh, possession. Or, I'm a little under the weather. <laughs> uh, possession as a tool of revenge and stuff like that for various ideals. Um, you know, I, I mean, and it, it's very far reaching because there's, it is one of those genres that's very, uh, malleable that you can really, you can really put it into so many different, uh, not only mixed genres or sub genres, like you were saying, but, um, I mean, it, 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 it always seems to have the religious aspect, but in the end, I mean, I think that, you know, I always, the Lovecraft, you know, um, idea of the the fear of the unknown you know yeah. it's the greatest fear and it is and i think possession i i think people fear the unknown but i think what they really fear i mean i think what most people's major fear is in the is is loss of freedom and loss of control i think that's what yeah. uh, is aging i think that's obviously the fear of death um the fear of um you know, uh, uh, like loss of finances or being homeless or whatever. I mean, real world <clears throat> fears, but in films that can, you know, be, uh, translated and people can, um, you know, it can be, like I said, something very storybook or supernatural and, you know, it's, it's whatever. But I think there's also, um, you know, it's a, it's a weird thing. It's stretching. You can stretch it. Like, you can say Hellraiser is a possession movie. Yeah. Uh, a cho- another, like, chosen possession movie. It just depends on which way you want to look at it. Well, I mean, yeah, to a certain degree, like, it becomes a little possession when, like, Frank takes, uh, what's-his-name skin, you know? Oh, yeah, yeah. It just possesses his identity, because, like, that's, like, one way of looking at it. Like, I, I was thinking of something like a single white female mm-hmm. or... You know, when you, like, literally, you're on somebody so much that you just want to get under their skin and become that, which is kind of freaky that way, you know. But it, and then it's like, uh, I mean, that's kind of a little bit of what happens, like, towards the end of Exorcist Two, The Heretic, when, like, Pazuzu becomes, like, sexed up Reagan, you know. Sexed such, up Reagan. Such unholy thoughts about a 15-year-old Linda Blair, but... Hey, it was the seventies. If Rick Springfield can do it and, and actually did it, yeah. um, then I can too. Um, no, it's uh, it, it really is one of those things. Well, yeah. Well, it's a possession, obsession. It's it, it's uh, 
the absolute, um, you know, like I said, surrender. And that's, I mean, like some people obviously in, in the possession films fight it. Some don't, um, some, uh, you know, become a wash with regret or whatever. Um, I, I just, it, it's, it's a very, um, visceral and literal thing. And then it's also, like I said, it could be endlessly expounded upon for me. It's, I, I don't think it has to be the religious, but, or the classic demonic, but I think, you know, that's usually what works best, but it's also the most, one of the most tired genres. We just spoke in the last episode on zombies, which is, you know, always trying to find flesh, fresh blood, no pun intended, or uh-huh. fresh brains, truly, yeah. in the rain department. Um, and then I also think that possession movies have, um, you know, there's some who've really tried to break through, like, uh, the formulaic, like, one that could be argued as a possession movie that i really enjoyed was uh autopsy dude of Gingo. i was just about to yeah. say that it's like yeah that's a, it's a great one yeah because it's about the like the possession of an object to a certain degree to a certain degree you and know. it's uh it's a story that is very much unraveled it's a long like a slow burn in terms of exactly understanding what's happening there's people go i knew what's going on right from the first few minutes and it's like yeah i'm sure it's like you you don't know what's going on it's it's but that's what you that's what makes you truly more frightened what what causes evokes fear is is that when you don't know what's going it goes back to the fear of the unknown thing and when you really if you have sympathetic characters or a good story and you can put yourself in which like autopsy of jane doe has yeah you want those guys to be okay they didn't do do anything wrong yet they're being horribly punished and when you find out what it's for, why it becomes like, that's that's where you really think about it after the the, the credits roll. Yeah, no, and that's just like one of those things because, like, you know, I also like, you know, you just taking it in a different direction than that. Like one of my favorite, like quote unquote, possession movies is The Beyond. You know, sure. Which you know, if you are not familiar with Lucio Fulci's Gates of Hell trilogy, you know, it's like. Uh, you know, the Beyond, the House by the Cemetery. And City of the Living dead. dead. Basically, like, all these places of powers, essentially, un- that are associated with hell mouths. And uh, the Beyond, I think, is probably, like... Oops, Sorry know. about that. Oh, yeah, no worries. Was, uh, you know, one of, like, Fulci's, I think, more personal films, you know, maybe besides Cat in the Brain, you know. But, the uh, ultimate uh, personal <laughs> film. Right. Like, um... Where, like, you know, he was saying something about, like, this is, like, the atheist view of, like, the supernatural or whatnot of an afterlife. And um, they still forced him to put zombies in there, which, thankfully, are really downplayed. But uh, when people are killed in the beyond, or it's just, like, it's usually the force of, like, the demonic strength or the Book of Ibon pushing its will towards killing people and then, like, taking on control of their forms to kind of get people sucked into that abyss that is the beyond you know oh yeah it's i mean it's it's a possession it's it's it really is the definition of it and that's another film with an ending where you know it's that's funny like the atheist view of hell and stuff but that's actually what i always loved about hellbound hellraiser too yeah people always ask you well like what do you think of the like hell and they said well if you want to look at it in an abrahamic view or 
even maybe in an atheist view. I don't know how you want to look. I mean, a cold labyrinth, never ending, haunt. I mean, if you consider hell as like a punishment, right? Then the worst thing you could be experiencing is all your regrets and uh, being haunted your whole life, like your whole afterlife. I mean, it's it's pretty awful when you think about it. Being tormented, um, like I said, it's it's not the. <coughs> Um, cartoon devil pitchfork right. or you know these very uh looney tunes kind of look of hell i mean it's 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 very empty exquisitely empty but it's also uh you know undeniably uh painful true pain not just the surface pain not just the nerve endings but just that uh that uh I don't know how you put it other than like loss of your soul, loss of your yeah. spirit, your will. It's horrible. I mean, like I said, I mean, you don't have to be religious or moral or something. But I mean, I would, th- if people go, well, there's nothing after it's like, well, that's, you know, that's one way to look at it. But I yeah. said, if there is, but people always go and I go, well, there's nothing after for, you know, anyone that it's like anybody who does something awful. It's kind of like, well, you don't think there's. You know, I don't know. I don't mean I'd like to turn into well, no, a religious they, discussion, but honestly, I think it's an interesting that idea. Like much more of like uh, you know, uh, of a, of a real punishment than having to play your you know your regrets on rewind forever. Sure. And ever. Well, you also the idea of just being alone forever. Um, yeah. You know, in an eternal like whatever it is, wandering or I don't know. I mean, like I say, it's it. I I yeah. It's very reticent to say anything morally. When I say something about that, like, <clears throat> I mean, like, people who go, you know, what's, um, you know, for criminals or people who do awful things or whatever. You know what I mean? It's like, what's their punishment? You know, right. it's, if it's not in this world, will it be in the next? And it's kind of like, yeah, but that's why people sympathize with possession movies so much is because it's people who didn't do anything wrong. Yeah. Like The Exorcist, I mean, it's my favorite film, and a big part of one of the questions always posed, or essays written, etc., is what did Reagan do? And it's like there's questions: Did she? Was it the Ouija board? Yeah. I'm just saying, I'm talking I things mean, like, from the film. Was yeah. it her parents' divorce that she thought she caused it that allowed um, Captain Howdy slash Pazuzu to come in? You know, because it's not explicitly stated. I always like when people get into that and it's like, okay, there's the statue of Pazuzu. Mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure it's Pazuzu. And he's like, well, they say he's on the devil. And it's like, okay, it's, it's one of those, that's, 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 that's my hell is the eternal argument about that. But I mean that it's really is. Why did this innocent girl suffer so horribly? Yeah. Well, I mean, that thing I... upstairs is not my daughter. <laughs> That's what it is, though. It's well, I mean, I think, you know, we can get into it a little bit. I always assumed it was a lot of it comes down to Linda Blair's performance, you know, being like this innocent, you know, and she takes on the guilt of the divorce. And then you always look at Ouija boards as like a like a crack in like, you know, oh, there, there's something it's an opportunity Mm-hmm. for something from another world to take hold i mean like i think a good reconciliation for this is like uh you know you could always argue that the names you, like people give demons aren't really reflective of what they actually are you know if like you know the north africans thought the devil had never heard of like a judeo-christian construct sure maybe they 
their devil was Pazuzu or whatnot, or the Babylonian, whatever the well, Assyrian, Assyrian, yeah. yeah, Babylonian, Mesopotamian stuff. I mean, all yeah. those things. It's like thinking of a, uh, um, you know, what's uh, Cohen makes uh, Quizzicotl. You know, he yeah. makes like an Aztec. He make Aztec, Olmec, Mayan. Yeah. You know, these Mesoamerican cultures where your gods look like your devils yeah. and your Judeo-Christian. But it's that's just you know whatever. And, mean, to, and to be fair, I mean even Warner Brothers has not been a good steward about the origins of Pazuzu. I mean, the in you know Exorcist two, it's you know baby James Earl Jones Kakumu, and then in Pick Your Prequel, it's different there too. You know. Well, I just I uh, the 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 the. Uh... I should, you don't want to blame the locusts. I mean, yeah. my, or the, you know, it's just like, there's so much stuff with The Exorcist 2. But I mean, I, I've watched both cuts numerous times. I mean, John Borman obviously recut it. You know, he recut it so many times. And it, it's a film that has some interesting ideas. It just, and some eerie stuff, a great score. Uh, Linda Blair actually really does, you know, she, she was one of those actresses, you know, I, I, I always wonder, it's those classic comic book what-ifs, if she had won the Academy Award instead of Tatum O'Neill for Paper Moon, yeah. what a difference her life and career would have been. I mean, That's we obviously we wouldn't have gotten Hell Knight and, and Grotesque and other uh, low-budget favorites uh, or Repossessed, but uh, she um, she's one of those people, she really is a great actress, and she was very, very talented, and, uh, I mean, <clears throat> she didn't do that performance alone. I mean, Eileen Dietz and other people were involved, but, I mean, for being her age, she, it's one of those phenomenal performances, especially back then. I mean, kids just didn't, you know, nowadays, I think kids are so trained, they can watch everything. Right. You know, it's like, you go to the best acting school, your best stage school for the those over the across the pond, but, you know, it's like, I really think she delivered it. It's, um... I mean, if people were to ask me my ultimate Oscar um, robs of the la robberies of the last few years uh, or last uh, 40, 50 years, I mean, I put that one. And honestly, I, you know, people go, oh, that's too fresh to be saying that. But I mean, I really mean it. I think when Tony Collette lost um, for, you know, or when Tony Collette didn't even receive anything, she should have won yeah, Best she Actress. She wasn't even nominated. She she really is. I mean, that's how <laughs> obsessed I almost think she was nominated. Oh, no. I, but, I, I like you know the actress that won Best mm -hmm. Actress this year from like you know she's always been a good like genre actress. She was in like uh, you know uh, Hot Fuzz and Doctor Who. I can't remember her name off the top. Of well, my that's head. always a great sign. And unfortunately, too. I think the favorite is going to be like the least remembered of Yorgos Lanthimos's movies. Yeah. <laughs> oh, exactly. Yeah, but I it's just, and, like modern Barry Lyndon. Uh, how many people talk about Barry Lyndon? Yep, it's true. Well, I mean, and, and I mean, it's even that's another one. Like maybe the reason I love Hereditary so much is it's a uh, it's a possession movie. It's a it's a Lovecraftian film. It really is. Uh, people always talk about the Void. They're like, that's such a Lovecraft movie. And I was like. A more Hellraiser or Reanimator to me than than uh, Lovecraft. I mean, even though Reanimator is Lovecraft, I, yeah. I mean, I just feel like the tropes. Though, how about this? The Empire Full Moon version of Lovecraft. Um, you know, that's that's why Dagon is so yeah, much better. See, than... And that's the thing. Like, I want my Lovecraft to have like this weird, like 
edge of insanity thing. That's why I like Dagon. It's just like that movie doesn't function like a real movie. It has this nope. really bizarre like there no one in this movie acts like a real human being would act. But it's like that's like a Looney Tunes scenario. So it, it, it works. Well the Shadow of Innsmouth is I mean, it's not quite the old dark house, but it is the classic idea of you know, some, you know, it's just, such a, it's a trope. But I mean, Shower Rinsmith is always going to be my favorite Lovecraft story. It always has been. Um, it's received several treatments over the years. But Dagon, of course, being the, the best amalgam of them. I, I, but I mean, that's what I mean. Like when I speak of possession stuff to me is uh, possession that's very frightening is also the, <coughs> the familial, the, uh, the um, uh, unavoidable, inevitable. Yeah, when you're that, I mean, even when I saw Midsummer, it's not a possession movie in the traditional sense, but it's a possession movie in terms of how this group, this culture, influences these people who come into it. Yeah, they become some of them become very possessed by it. It's like, yeah, I, I know it's. I don't mean to put that too far reaching, but again, no, it's, it's like not a literal thing. thing like the but evil it's, dead movies. Yeah, well, that was in, that was the other one. I was gonna, you know, we can harken back, especially when we're talking about the Beyond. Yeah, it's to me is like the Evil Dead is one of those movies where it's possession treated as humorous. I mean, it is it is possession, a possession, demonic possession movie interpreted by the Three Stooges, of course. Yeah, and through well, through that filter, I, I do think it like varies. I mean, I kind of feel like uh, you know because all all you know all those movies are like the same movie just with different spins. Sure, you know, and it's like. Uh, you know, to a certain degree, Evil Dead, the original, is the most fucked up because it's actively trying to drive Ash insane, you know? And and killing all of his friends yeah. in the process and, and turning and them just, against him. And just doing it very malevol- malevolently. Even the Evil Dead remake, uh, which doesn't get a lot of love, but it's just super fucking dark with the possessions in that movie. Oh, yeah. I mean, I think it's, a, I mean, I think it's one of the better... I think it's one of those films down the line that people are going to say, you know, the remake and stuff, um, that they are, you know, wow, that was a great movie. I mean, it's already been six years. I've yeah. heard, I've seen it creeping in, but I just feel like, I mean, that one just goes as full throttle as you possibly could and, and does it in a way where the one thing I always liked, the, the one thing they changed was the idea of it being somebody in an intervention and addiction. Yeah. So someone who's already so sick and weak. They're prime for possession. Yeah. Well, I, I, I honestly think the only that intro, you know, the the cold open with yeah, the, the girl cult. who'd been possessed, but you know, not I cult, were, but you know, you I mean, know, the, the appellation yeah. kind of uh, yeah, folklore. the father they killed the mother, and then they're trying to exercise her. Like, I don't think that adds anything to the movie at all. I yeah, I never liked cut it. Out and just started immediately where it does after it says Evil Dead, it would have been a much stronger movie. Agreed 100%. That's, uh, <coughs> I think, one of its biggest flaws. That and the only other thing I will always despise is, like, you know, when you watch the original Evil Dead, I mean, the Necronomicon is a piece of art. I mean, it's yeah. beautiful. Like, Oh, yeah. And, and then the, in the 2013, it's literally like everything is in English. And it's not like he sits there for a second and it dissolves into English so he can read it or something yeah. like that, like a visual um, element. It's that you can tell if the possession is seeping and the evil is, is you know, entering. You know, it's that kind of thing. It's it's literally like 
like the way almost it almost like a deathgasm kind of joke or something like this should be that was just always such a failure because especially because the book itself outside of it looks great i love the idea of the barbed wire and all that i thought that was cool and then when you actually opened the book, I was like, God, man, how could you fuck this up so I bad? I think the problem with it, too, is it hadn't been that long since um, Cabin in the Woods. And it really suffered from, like, this is every trope that movie is talking about. That's There's true. not anything wrong with using tropes. It's just, like, it was just too fresh on people's minds. I agree. It was. It really was. <coughs> well, in Cabin in the Woods, too, is always one of those films, you know, I always forget, uh, you know, how many... I mean, if it had come out in its actual year, you know, of, of, of uh, like creation nine, I think it was. Yeah. yeah. But I don't know. It's, I mean, like possession too. I mean, you know, you kind of, you know, there's, I think it's always going to be one of those things where it's like exorcist clones, you know, or things that people consider it like a, a exorcism of Emily Rose. Right. Or, but I thought like the last exorcism I personally thought was great. A lot of people didn't like it or the sequel and i thought they were both excellent i like the idea of something like that it was you know i know found footage isn't your top top no. pick but i um just trying something different i mean i like the exorcism of emily rose because it was um a court drama it really wasn't a you know wasn't supposed to be a, a horror traditional horror film it was supposed right. to be heavily about the the legal uh wranglings of everything um, and I think that that's where the possession film, you know, will succeed more. But it's also the idea of something like you were saying, like something uh, from a different culture or right. uh, that's what helps make uh, films. So, I mean, every time I was like loose and stuff like yeah. that, like I think it's important to have how people interpret things like this. I mean, you know, and how much historically it was looked at, like possession as uh mental illness it's like a lycanthropy or something like that i like the idea of people instead of being something supernatural it's that's probably one of the best parts about the exorcist i mean you're talking about the early 1970s where you know you have um you know what is it these all these ideas the primal scream versus dr spock versus you know how you raise your kids how you deal with stress and problems I mean, this is uh, issues with the economy. I mean, things were changing um, so rapidly well, in the yeah, 70s. Well, yeah, and that's, like, one of those things, like, I mean, Invasion of the Body Snatchers. Oh, exactly. The 78 version really takes on that. And you're like, really? You're talking about an I'm like, alien possession is the exact same thing as this. It's a way of dealing with issues of society. And those pods literally creep under your skin and take you over and become you. You know, and it's like... Uh, I mean that they t- that's not my wife. That's you know it, that movie is really creepy on that level. It's oh, like very this much. Whole thing about existential dread. I still think one of the most disturbing scenes you'll see in, is in the '93 Abel Ferrera Body Snatchers remake mm-hmm. um, when it has um, the air the Air Force captain or Tim whatever he's trying to rescue uh, Gabriel Anwar's character and he goes into this like uh, essentially like. Uh, birthing room where they like bringing in people they like sedate and just kind of automate the process he's trying to rescue the girl and her pod wakes up and he's about to pull like the the uh you know the tendrils off of her and then like literally she like just turns on her side and she's like don't you know like yeah this really weird like psychosexual thing like 
you know, you, you, you know, you, you know, you're attracted to her. And there's this weird tension going, she's much like younger than him. It's like, well, all you want is her body anyway. There it is for the taking. It's just one of those things that's always kind of stuck with me. Like, that's a really interesting scene for a lot of like subtextual reasons, you know? Yeah, that's right, yeah. guys. I go deep into <laughs> these things. Well, no, it, it's something you can go. Well, I mean, even <coughs> when you're talking about the evasion of the body snatchers, yeah. it's kind of going back to what I was talking about. It's like, possession isn't just you being possessed it's everyone else is possessed and i'm completely alone yeah i am the only person i mean the 78 body snatchers obviously being the best example of something like that but i mean that's really terrifying to know that everybody else is it's it's uh more than like uh you know i mean you can just say it's a it's a commentary on conformity or whatever you know like the original Yeah, it's the very easy thing, but what it really is, is truly, because it's not rebellion, it's survival, when you're feeling that you literally can't escape something like that. I mean, it's it's more than, it's because you're no longer living, you're trying to survive in something. I mean, that's like the best part of, like like we were talking about earlier with zombie films last episode, it's not, it's... You know, people always go, well, you know, it's, uh, you know, it's the, the, like I said, Walking Dead does do it well. But I mean, it's the classic Night of the Living Dead example. Yeah. It's that the people that are living, the living are the, the living dead. It's the yeah. people, they're the problem. But I mean, I think that that's also the issue is where people go, well, you know, we're, uh, you know, we survive. And it's like, yeah. you survive, but you're not alive. No, you're, I mean, that goes to like something like, uh, you know, even like, uh, child's play where like you know charles lee ray he's not alive you know his body's dead all he's trying to do is get into a husk that isn't a fucking plastic doll you know and then like i mean on that level you can even look at something like the stuff which also is just like this gelatinous hive mind like really kind of kills its host the same way like the night of the creeps parasites do you know yeah you know, so there's just a lot of different ways to attack that topic, you know. So hopefully, you know, I think we, we maybe gave you some, like, oh, I didn't think of it that way. Yeah, I think it's just, I mean, like I say, you can sit there and you can, you can, we can evaluate and discuss all these different franchises. But it's more about the idea. And it's, it's uh, one of those things like possession people, you know, instantly, like I said, have, most people have the idea of the exorcist. They have the ideas visually and then they put in things that aren't even possession like uh like a damien like the satanic films yeah. of the 70s and it's like well they weren't necessarily possessed <coughs> it was just a no, matter of it's just damien's just a creature that looks like yeah human. a human yeah, yeah it's just it's i don't know and that's i mean sometimes like i said that works too i mean you could even you know it's it's so much so many different directions you can go but in the end it is why is possession such an important and integral part of horror film and fiction it's it's because yeah, it is loss of control, loss of of control and, the, and the ultimate fear of the unknown of what happens when those things those that agency is absent yeah yeah so i mean that's and i think what people find is that they believe that 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 agency is absent is that's where evil truly is like true evil yeah. like uh not from the judeo-christian or abrahamic ideal but from a, you know a humanist or an essence well, that kind I of mean, thing yeah like here here's like a, a thought like i haven't like pre-thought of this or anything but it's like uh i mean if you look at something like michael myers right 
I mean, he's not possessed by evil. He's just empty. He well, yeah, and see, well, and uh, what's his? You know, uh, Loomis's idea of Myers is because that's. I mean, that's the ultimate question about the Myers mythology: is is what is Michael's motivation? Does he yeah. even have one? Like, why does he kill certain people and not kill others? In the 2018, they the he baby. Won- yeah, why didn't he kill the baby? Because if he had, because he killed the kid. Yeah. And it's like, uh, that's when I was, that was his first victim that you really saw on film or something like that. Like the kind of, he, you know, death has come to your little town. You yeah. know, it's like, that's what people though, you know, eh, I'm not just going on my classic kid killing face. I mean, I just, or, or, or jive. It's just a matter of, I really think that, if something is truly evil, and that's the one thing I always bring up all the time when people go, I hate it when animals get killed in movies. Oh, like when Michael Myers killed the dog in Halloween? Yeah. No, everyone just seems to gloss over that one. I mean, it's like, of course you don't mind, you know, when animals are killed. I mean, you do, but it's like, for some reason, it's just, it's the classic exceptionalism. It does, it does always make me laugh when Michael Myers killed that dog, but the Terminate, the T-1000 doesn't kill the dog anymore in terminator 2 that's true it's like okay clearly that machine has some kind of morals that he does but uh i don't know I, the one thing i will say about like i just wanted to get into this one thing about halloween is like it, it, you can look at it almost like uh you know loomis is is a victim in that way because he's possessed by this knowledge or belief or feeling that uh myers is like you know evil incarnate and if you look at if you have to go down the rabbit hole of that franchise it just gets to like the point where he just becomes a madman you know yeah. the remake just didn't even like let that simmer you know the new loomis instantly became a madman you yeah know? so i mean it's just like he's the captain ahab you know he's you know that white whale just drove him crazy the white mask whale. Yeah. Yeah. Or it, like uh or like Ray Wise's character in Jeepers Creepers too or something. Yeah. Like that. Well it's also again a lot of these deep cut. The possession. The possession of people to yeah. be driven to revenge. I mean, possession, like I said, it doesn't have to be just that thing. It can be so like I said, we splintered into multiple topics, which we always tend to do, but it's Did it, Ray Wise have any Jeepers Creepers two pictures? Yes he did actually. Oh. Yeah, he's he had mainly Reaper, Jeepers Creepers 2, um, and uh, of course a lot of Twin Peaks. But he had a few other ones and stuff, like some like lesser known roles. I was shocked. I got Doug Jones to sign. He actually had a Fear Itself still, which <coughs> is my favorite Doug oh, Jones performance cool. from Skin and Bones. So that was very cool. I did not expect that. But he had his main table laid out, which at this time was a lot of like Star Trek and Shape of Water. But he also had a, a, like a book you could look through, and it had like you know, 30 or 40 additional stills just he's packed just away. so many things. He is. He's, he, I mean, well, he's a guy who's had a career for so long. It's just, it's endless. Um, so, yeah, I mean, but, um, yeah, there's, there's, yeah, a lot of people, I always, that's one thing I, if I were ever to advise uh, um, celebrities and stuff, which hopefully I will in Mad Monster capacity, but it's, it's like, please bring your uh, lesser known performances because uh, it's always a lot of fun to see. Yeah. Sorry, we segue back to Mad Monster. Well, we're, we're always uh, uh, getting back to some of the older episodes, even though this is only our third episode. But you know, yeah, I think it works. Good. It works. But um, yeah, I um, I think definitely like for the for the audience, I'd love to hear what 
maybe some of your uh, unconventional possession movies <coughs> that you enjoy. Right. I'd like to hear what people think of something that maybe uh, we didn't talk about. I know. There's lots of stuff like you know, Jennifer's Body. Yeah, Jennifer's Body was one of the ones yeah. I was going to go into just because me and Victor can't go too long without talking about Jennifer's Body on a on a podcast or right. any other discussion. Um, but yeah, I mean, there's, there's so much out there and stuff. And I mean, I'd actually like to hear some, uh, I'd like to hear like some older films of people, maybe some I haven't heard of cause there's lots I haven't. And then I'd like to hear some newer films cause I'd like to see somebody challenge it. Like if you know something that's like an autopsy of Jane Doe or something completely off the traditional rails, I'd love to hear it. Right. Yeah, so that's definitely good. a good one. And then, uh, yeah, let us know if you're like enjoying these genre deconstructions, or if you'd like us to like just tackle individual movies. Because you know, we want to make it entertaining for you guys. We have lots of different directions we can take it in. Yeah, I think uh, you know, I, it seems like everybody's enjoying it. I mean, I hope so, and <coughs> I appreciate everybody who's been listening so far, and everyone who's subscribed. I think on the Instagram, we're already up you know, a hundred people and stuff and a short amount of weeks. And we really appreciate everybody's uh, been so supportive and we've heard a lot of good feedback. And even if you don't, you know, you got criticisms and stuff, we want to hear those too. We want to hear ways and that things you'd like to hear differently or, or things, you know, we're not yielding to anybody, but we like to hear what people think. Feedback, feedback is, is always good no matter what. So uh, we'll have uh, Victor is going to be off for a bit, so we'll be back for a couple weeks. But he'll have a full SDCC report, and you're going to see a lot of stuff on the site because yeah. he's always filming and um, reviewing. So yeah, we'll be uploading stuff as the show goes on. Yep. So keep your eye up. Keep your eyes open. So until next time, join us for Horror Cult. Always keep your eye open to the other podcasts or network. Ski review will be another episode out this weekend. Dive in Santa with muscles, so that'll be interesting. Um, and until next time, uh, I am Victor Reno along with Kirby Nelson. That's much too vulgar to display a power cast. <laughs> <laughs>